Good morning. Morning. The reading today is from Mark uh, 6, verses 1 to 6. Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And the many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man learn these things? And what is this wisdom that has been given to him? and such miracles as these performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are his sisters not here with us? And they took offence at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not dishonoured except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. And he could not do any miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. And he was going around the villages teaching. Well, praise God. If you have uh, your Bibles with you or you've got a digital one, we're going to be looking at a few scriptures today. And so you can just uh, get a... Uh, a head start on that if you like. We're going to look at Ephesians 4. We're going to flip where we were in Mark 6 and then we drop down to Matthew 9. Hallelujah. The verse that I put at the head of the notes there uh, is from 1 John 5 verse 4. It says, whatever is born of God or whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We've been talking about the role of faith in our Christian walk. And uh, the foundation verse for the whole of this series is from Habakkuk. It's repeated again in Romans and Galatians. And it says, the righteous shall live or find life by their faith. And so we talked a little bit about that verse. And then we spent a couple of weeks on defining faith because I always like to know what I'm looking for. All right. Years ago, I was uh, doing renovations on my house. I don't, know, I don't know if I told this story last week. And I had a friend helping me from the States and uh, we were trying to dismantle some walls. And he said, what you need is a thingamajig. I said, what do you mean a thingamajig? He said, well, it's a who's he, what's he? He said, you get it and you do this and you do that. And I go, I'm sure I'll be able to find that in Bunnings. So I trundled down the Bunnings in Canberra and uh, someone, uh, I found someone to help me, which is a miracle in itself. And I said, I need a thingamajig. Uh, he said, what do you mean? I said, I mean a who's he, what's he? And uh, it was a, a lever. Anyway, it turned out to be a little crowbar. But if I had known what it was called or how to find it, I would have been able to get it like that. And so very often we look and we, we're wondering, do I have faith? And we treat faith like it's a, sometimes it's, it's uh, treated like it's a spiritual goo. It sort of floats around, you know, you either got faith or you don't, you know. And as if some people have got a lot of it and others don't, you've got it or, you know, and us Pentecostals will love thinking up phrases, faith is the hand of man that reaches up into heaven to pull down the blessings of God. You know, so if you're looking for that, you'd be looking for this hand. <laughs> but nevertheless, we went through three, four, five, six scriptures where Jesus said and, and uh, says in Romans that if you have faith and it paralleled what, what you believe. So Mark 11 for example, Mark 11, 22, 23, 24 says, Have faith in God, for if you say to that mountain, Be thou removed, and, and be thou cast into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe. So constantly, 
faith is equated with your beliefs. And any good Bible dictionary will tell you that. Your faith is what you believe. So if you want to find out if you have faith for something or about something, ask yourself what you believe. So we're going to talk about a little bit now uh, about the importance of faith because um, you might wonder why we're going on and on about it, uh, the fact, besides the fact that it's probably the most discussed topic in the Bible, faith and grace. Why is it important to have faith? Well, the Apostle John says, the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. Um, your faith sets the boundaries for your life. What you believe about God, what you believe about salvation, what you believe about things, if you act on those things, they will define what will happen in your life, or probably more explicitly, how you respond to what happens, and whether you walk in victory or whether you go over or you go under. It'll also define what is allowed into your life, what you let into your life from the enemy or from the world. I was looking through these photos uh, back from the 60s and uh, they had uh, this little picture of um, this uh, child inside a metal cage uh, while the mum was having a picnic in the park. And the metal cage was like this big bird cage and it probably had about the circumference, the circumference is about, well the di diameter was about the size of this table. And this little toddler was sitting there with his hands on the, on, now, you know, you'd be abused, you'd be yelled at today, wouldn't you, for doing that? Uh, but when you think about it, that baby was safe and uh, <laughs> couldn't get lost and dogs couldn't get it. And so mum could relax, you know, and dads could have their naps. Yeah, I'll take the kids to the park, just put them in a cage, have a That cage set the boundaries. Well, our faith is designed like that cage. We, uh, we, and I've got a confession to make it, and this, I do it with some risk. Um, we had leashes for our kids. Now, I'm not going to look for any. I'm not going to look for some people to want them. Now, that will explain a lot about our children. But, but we actually, you walk in love. You know, back in the day, that was acceptable, you know, and we were happy. The kids didn't scream, but that leash provided the boundary. The kid could run there and run there, you know, run there. They were happy. They didn't know anything different, you know. Your faith sets the boundaries of what you allow into your life from the outside and what you allow to happen in your life. This is the victory that overcomes the world on the outside, even our faith. The righteous shall live by their faith. So faith's important because uh, to a very, very large extent, uh, whether you sink or swim, whether you fulfill God's call, not whether you walk in his promises or not is determined by what you believe and what you do with what you believe we're going to look at a few verses which establish that because um, faith is simple i've been challenged i used to say faith is easy but i realize that oftentimes faith isn't easy but it's simple and the more you work it the easier it gets so uh, faith will determine, set the boundaries of your life, and it will determine the outcomes of what happens in your life. Remember Ephesians chapter 2, 
verse 8, we've referred to it a number of times. It says, by grace we are saved through faith. That means God wants to do the work for you. God has done the work for you in salvation, but you receive it by faith, or it's, it goes through faith. So uh, the extent to which you can receive or walk um, in God's promises will be determined by your faith. And it's a, it's a good question we asked ourselves uh, at Bible study on Wednesday, why? Why is that so? Remember, who was that? There was, a, there was this uh, when I was a kid. There was this scientist, and he had this. He had this kids show in there. Do you remember what was his name? Something, something, Gina. Yeah. Why is this so? I asked myself, why is this so? It's good to try and understand why. Why is it that God has determined? Can anyone remember his name? Am I just making that up? Can anyone remember him? Julius Sunder Miller. Yeah. There you go. When I pour, you know, acid on this metal and the bubbles, why is that so? I find it helps to know, understand why. In fact, uh, the reason that I didn't go too well in maths, I don't know whether you consider 6 out of 100 year 12 maths as a passing mark or whatever, is because I, I can tell you my teacher just gave us rote formula to remember. But when I understood why something happens, I could work it out. So why is it? that God has determined faith to be critical. Why doesn't just God do whatever he wants with us? You know, well, if God wants, it'll happen. Well, God wishes that the whole world be saved. But there's people going to hell. Why has he determined faith? I mean, surely if we pray long enough and pray hard enough and give enough money and do lots of things, then surely that would be enough to receive the blessings of God. You know, you heard the expression, I don't understand why, why that happened to someone. They were such a good Christian. You heard that? Do you know the bad things happen good Christians. I don't really understand what a good Christian is. I've said this often. What do you mean by that? You mean you're gooder than someone else? You mean you're more righteous than someone else? But I, I know what people mean. You know, they've lived a life serving God and yet bad things happen to them. You'll never see anywhere that Jesus or anyone ministered and he said, because you've been good, you get this blessing. Or because you've been gooder I'm going to give more, and because you've been good as, and that's Chloe's the wrong one, because you've been good as, I know, you've got to be believable when you preach, haven't you? You've got to say things that are actually believable. Sorry, Chloe. You can just be good. Good, gooder, goodest. Most blessings go to you. Well, it didn't say that. It says, the righteous shall find life by their faith. It says salvation is by grace through faith. But why? Do we have Romans 4.17? Can we shoot it up there? This occurs in a little bit of a complicated passage. We won't get right into it. But it's summarized 
uh, we'll, we'll tell the story of it. It's summarised. We, we were talking about this on Wednesday night. Wednesday night we grabbed this book and we, we worked through it on, our, on it every second Wednesday. Every other Wednesday you've got a, a, a ladies, uh, it's really uh, sort of a new Christians course. They use our I Family Life of Christ. But we grabbed this and, and we asked at the end, I asked, well, why? We all sat there looking at each other, why? Why faith? Why? Why? And I, I said to Linda uh, the day after, you know, I found out why. How did you find out why? She said, the Bible tells me why. Well, that's a good thing to look at. Asking why. This scripture, which was up here, to go to sleep. Romans 4, 16. Did I say 17? For this reason, this is why. This is why. It is by faith that God's decided to bless us. For this reason, it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance to grace. Now that's a, Romans is a very theological book. In summary, it says God decided that the blessing, his blessings will come on you by faith in order that it's going to be his goodness, his provision, his work, so no one, and then it goes on to say, so no one can say or think that I have deserted, deserved it and I have earned it. And so the, all the promises of God and all the blessings of God are received by faith so that it can be God that moves in our life. So we can't claim credit for it. We just said yes to him. Yeah. We just believe what he said and we just said yes. So the reason God has designed it that the righteous shall live by their faith or that the victory that overcomes the world is our faith is because he wants to be strong on your behalf he wants to redeem us from our sin he wants to forgive us he wants to provide for us and he wants us to learn to trust him the reason the righteous shall live by their faith is so that it can be said it's in accordance with grace. It's the goodness of God that moves in our lives. And that takes a burden off us. It takes that, that burden of being good to earn God's blessing off us. You cannot be good enough to earn his blessing. Now, in this passage, it's interesting if you go back and read it through. It's talking about it's talking about circumcision, which is a touchy topic for some people. It was for Timothy. Um, if you've been reading your book of Acts, you know what I'm referring to. Not a lot of people have been reading their book of Acts. Thank you. Uh, but it, it uses Abraham as an example, Abraham and Sarah, because they were given a promise. God promised them that they would have a child and that they would be the father of many nations and the Bible says they believed God and it was credited to them or attributed to them as righteousness and so the Apostle Paul asked this question and and then later on they were uh, Abraham had God gave him the covenant of circumcision to be a sign of the removal of sin from their life but this argues that was he righteous before he was circumcised or was he righteous after he was circumcised? 
and it says he was made righteous when he believed God. The Bible says Abraham, he was saved by faith. Abraham was made righteous when he believed God. So righteousness is given to us and credit to us when we believe. Do you know, uh, whatever the circumstances you're in and whatever you've done to deserve it, not to deserve it, when you turn and when you say, I'm going to believe God in this situation, that is credit to, to you as righteous. That is a righteous deed. Now, that doesn't say you go around doing things that are against your conscience. That, that you know, that's called sin. That will ruin you. And so Abraham was circumcised after he believed God. And in our Christian walk, we have received the grace to live victoriously and live free from sin. Romans, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, for you are saved by grace through faith, says that we are saved for good works. Not by good works, for good works. So this faith that we have, which delivers righteousness and delivers the free gift of salvation through faith, then creates in us the nature of God so that we can then go around and be blessings to other people and learn to live victoriously. We are created in him for good works. So just when we start teaching on grace, don't think that's going to get us great. I can go out and do this. No, if it's against your conscience, you know, you're really overriding what God's done for you. So Abraham believed God first and his faith was credited to him for righteousness. So the faith that you needed to get saved has defined your eternity. Right? So it says, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe that he died and rose again for the dead on your behalf, that is faith to be saved. Did not that faith set the boundary of your de eternal destiny? Did it? How? Why? Why do we think it's any? It's not different for anything else. So hearing that the Lord Jesus, that God loves you, He's not mad at you, that He's paid the price for your sin, that He died, He conquered, He conquered sin, conquered death, and rose from dead. And the moment you believe that, you have faith for salvation. You have created the boundaries, or not created, God created, but you have come to believe that what is. God has provided for you in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're ready to get saved. You can then act on that by confessing him as the Lord and you're saved. All right? Faith determines the boundaries of what happens in your life. It determines, it, it won't determine if bad things come to you. Right. Although you, you can believe God for protection, but that's another thing. Um, a lot of things happen to us that aren't God's will, but faith will determine how we filter that, yeah. what we allow into our life, what we allow to happen, what we believe, and what we act on will determine our destiny. It's a staggering statement. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. Even grace, even faith itself is a gift, you understand? Faith itself is a gift. 
Faith for salvation is a gift when you hear the gospel and you go, yes, that faith that stirs up in you, that's a gift. The Bible says that measure of faith is given to all of us, okay? And God has provided the means that we get that faith. So we'll talk about that more in the future. But when we just take a little step in obedience, read the Bible, meditate on it, faith drops into our heart. And we go, I suddenly believe that. I didn't see that before. I, I see that about my relationships. I see that about walking in love. And when you see that and you, you believe it, then the power of God is available for there for you to walk in love. Partners, just turn to the person next to you and say, there you go, you're going to need to be going and reading 1 Corinthians 13 and walk so you get faith for walking in love. There you go, thanks, Susan. There you go. Faith takes no account of what's done wrong against you. So for for um, so for um, for Abraham and Sarah, they got faith for salvation. It was counted for them for righteousness. And then God built their faith again, and asked them to act on that faith. And then Isaac was born. I won't go into the act of faith that was needed for Isaac to be born. Although the kids are in there, perhaps we could talk about. It. But it was an act of faith. If you're 100 years old, that's an act of faith. Man, it's an act of faith at whatever my age is. What is it, 35? Yeah, it's, it's an act of faith. If they didn't believe it and act on it, we wouldn't have had Isaac. Some acts are more fun than others. We won't go there. In Mark chapter 6, which was our Bible reading, this is the second time that there's only two times that remember that Jesus was amazed or he wondered, he wondered, he wondered. He was wondering all the time, but only twice that he wondered or was amazed. The first time was at the centurion's faith. Remember that? He wondered at, he went, that's amazing because the centurion didn't have a covenant was God, wasn't raised with the scriptures. And so he was amazed at the faith. But this is the other time that he, he, he wondered about, um, how is it that they don't have faith? He was astonished by it. And we need to understand because a lot of people, uh, you know, faith needs to get down into our heart. We do that by meditating. That means the innermost parts of us. But it starts here on what we think about and, and, and what we hear and what we see. And so in Mark chapter 5, there had been some wonderful miracles happening and the word of that had got uh, gotten around and so Jesus, then it says, after, straight after that, he went to his hometown. And he, he, it had stirred up interest. Because they had said, well, who is this who speaks these words of wisdom and does these wonderful things? So they had heard about these miracles. All right? But then, it got, then if you read it, it says they, they got themselves offended. They started to look naturally. But one of the, the great hindrances of our faith is to start to look naturally at what's happening around us, you know. If, if, if I'm praying for you and, and and you think, well, that's just my pastor, I've seen him at his best and worst, then, well, yeah, you're looking naturally. And they just, they took offense at Jesus because really, in, you know, in their mind, he was no better than them. How is it that he's got this anointing? How is it that he's got the, this gift? And so... And so looking naturally and looking offense and just getting back into this negative thinking, that will destroy your faith. 
and it destroyed their faith. And so uh, Jesus was amazed after all this and that you don't have faith. And the other interesting thing about this, guys, sports fans, is this. God was there to do all the wonderful things that God was wanting to do before them. But the Bible says he could do, not would do, he could do no mighty work in their life because of their unbelief. We are no different to them. The same principles that apply in our life. God can do a whole much more in our life if we choose to look in the Bible, to read, to meditate on it, and to get faith in that area. All right? It's a little bit like watering your gut. I've got a gut. I need to keep it alive. Okay? And I need to apply that water. All right? The water is already there. It's been provided by the council. It cost me hundreds and hundreds of dollars, but don't worry about that. But until I open the faucet on that plan, it's not going to be watered. So any promises or any issues in our life that need dealing with it, we need to find God's word and get faith on it. We'll talk more about it. But I do find it interesting because Jesus' response to them um, uh, being in unbelief, Unbelief actually means they chose not to believe. That's a scary thought. They chose not to believe. His response to them was he went about teaching. And the word there for teaching means it's didactic. It means line upon line upon line teaching. Because he knew he had to lay, if they heard the word of God and then they were able to believe it, they could then have faith for God to move in their life. It's interesting, we've talked a lot, often talk a lot about it, but the healing revivals that have been around, especially last century with Smith Wigglesworth, and after that in, uh, in the States with A.A. Up and Jack Powell Roberts, and uh, many, or if not most of the people that were miraculously healed, lost it some weeks, months, or years later, because they didn't have faith they hadn't got the undergirding of what to believe. All right? So it's interesting here that Jesus went about teaching. Chuck, I think his name's Chuck Smith, there's a movie coming out. It's uh, called, um, it's called The Jesus Movement. It's starring, who's the guy from Kelsey Grammer? From, uh, from Friends? From, not Friends. <laughs> Frasier. Frasier, yeah, Chelsea Grammer from Frasier. It's starring him. And it's about the Jesus, and it's released in about a month. It's about the uh, the great uh, Jesus movement that went around and started in the early 70s. I got saved at the very end of it, but I had friends, uh, you know, and we, we were, I, I was right at the end of the hippie movement. You know, I had beads. At one stage, I had beads. <laughs> you laugh at me. Some of you had beads too. You see Trev with beads. Were you a hippie, Trev? Yeah, it had beads. <laughs> All right. and being, you know, I can remember driving with a friend of mine. She was a few years old and we were driving to camp and she had the floral, the long floral, you know, really long flowing floral hippie dresses and, and she, her, her deodorant or whatever it was, she probably didn't use deodorant, she was a true hippie, but she, she had that sort of uh, musky incense, you know, you smell it, you know, that, 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 you know, that incense that's uh, sandalwood. 
you know, she's still coming, smells good to say, you know, and she's talking, and you're driving along, and she was a nurse, and she was driving me to camp, and, and Bob Dylan had just got saved. Anyone heard of Bob Dylan? Good. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Bob Dylan. And she goes, oh, Grant, we always knew that Bob Dylan would get saved, man. Bob Dylan would get saved, you know. And this Jesus movement went around, you know, we used to get guitars and sing on the beach, you know, sing Larry Norman songs and all those sorts of things, you know, because we were here. But that started in a, in a church, in a, the whole Jesus movement pretty well started in a church in California that became Calvary Chapel. And this is a great story. And go and see the movie if you like. I've just seen the shorts. But what happened is he was pastoring this church. It was full of dead fogies, you know. Dead fogies. Fogies. How can I describe fogies? I need interpretation in tongues. Yeah, yeah, all just, they just stayed in their ways, you know. And they, but this hippie starts to come and he, he wasn't wearing shoes and they had new carpets. So they put up a sign, you know, that said, you cannot come into this church unless you're wearing shoes, you know. And then someone came in with shoes but dirty jeans. You can't come into this church unless your jeans are clean. And he basically got up and he preached one time. He met with the elders and he said, if they can't come up, come in with dirty feet, we're going to rip up the carpet. So change that sign or we'll rip it up the carpet. And so this whole Jesus movement started there. The pastor's name, I think, was Chuck Smith. But it's interesting, and there were a lot of miracles, there were a lot of things happening in the Jesus movement. And if you look at them, they were very closely associated with the Faith Grace movement at that time, Catherine Coleman, and all those sorts of things. But um, the interesting thing is that then became Calvary Chapel, which went around the world. I don't know if you've heard of Calvary Chapel, but almost every city and large city in the States has a Calvary Chapel. But Pastor Chuck was, his ministry was famous for line upon line upon line teaching. And uh, that is what sets the foundation. You get faith determined sunk in your heart. Then you can use that to believe God to determine the outcome of so many things that happen in your life. And so this was this movement, this Calvary Chapel movement, was famous, famous for that. Now, turn with me, please, to Mark chapter nine. Turn with me to Mark chapter nine. There's an interesting, uh, sorry, Matthew nine. Matthew nine. I nearly threw the AV team into a tears there. Matthew nine verse twenty nine. Jesus says something very interesting. Now, don't get mad at me because of this. I know that this challenges a lot of our theology, but don't get mad at me. This is Jesus speaking. If you've got an issue, you've got issues, you've got issues with this? If you've got issues with this, take it up with the head of the church. Not with me. In Matthew 9, verse 29, these lepers have come to Jesus and they ask him, Verse 27, as Jesus went from there, two, sorry, two blind men followed him and carrying, uh, were crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him, Jesus, and said, He said, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. So he touched them and he said, Be it done to you in accordance with your faith. 
were you not saved by having finding faith that Jesus died for you, he rose from the dead, your sins are forgiven, you believed on it, you act on it, you receive salvation. Was not Abraham and Sarah, didn't them hearing God, listen, it's God that does the work, so it's the reason it's by faith, so that may be by grace. Okay? But wasn't their whole destiny changed because they heard, they believed, and they acted on it? If they hadn't heard and believed and acted on it, he'd still be in that city. What was the name of that city? Er. He'd still be in that city. Er. He never would have left it. But, but hearing from God and believing it changed the destiny of your life. Now, if you're feeling condemned right now, that's the voice of the devil because this is a shout of victory. Yeah. This means whatever our circumstances, whatever our situation, we can, if we can find God's will on the matter, we know that God doesn't lie. We know that he's able. We can stand on that faith. Yeah. And these two blind men, Jesus said, be it done to you in accordance with your faith. And God's no respecter of persons. Same thing applies to us. Uh, last Saturday we were bragging on you. We, we, Linda and I went to a pastor's conference and we had lunch with our pastors Nigel and Margaret Darch. They're pastors down at um, River Church. It's right on the main highway that goes through the Gold Coast. And we were bragging on you because I know that we have the most biggest and the best looking church on, you know, really the whole of southeast Queensland. We have you know, we're good looking because people at Redeemer Coast, not only do we read our Bibles every day, five days a week, one chapter a day, we're also good looking. And we're sharp. And we're smooth. All right? Turn to the person next to you and say, I've got the good looking bit. <laughs> so we're bragging on you. We're talking about some of the things that God has done. And, you know, they kind of thought that their church was blessed, but we know that we've got the best looking church. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so Pastor Margaret told me about, and we were talking about some of the good things and some of the healings and some of the salvations that are happening. She said that she grew up and even into adulthood with, uh, with a very debilitating, you know Pastor Margaret, very debilitating asthma. And she was healed at an at a, um, evangelistic crusade. Now, I understand that very often that when the gifts of gifts of the Holy Spirit are moving in a crusade, you've got the gifts of healing, a gift of working of miracles. Working of miracles is what happens like this. Gift of healings, it happens progressively. And when the Holy Spirit's moving like that, it doesn't, you, you need faith to receive it, but it doesn't take as much faith to receive it because you just really yield to what the Holy Spirit's doing. Okay? And so, uh, and she received uh, healing for, for her debilitating asthma and was healed instantly from it. Now then, as the years went past, it was some years later, and further into uh, her adulthood, and Pastor Margaret's no fool, if you knew her, she's actually a science teacher, and, and she's got degrees and all these sorts of things, but she said it was some years later that, that, that asthma came back on her, and she had another severe asthma attack. Now, between then, receiving a miracle uh, through a gift of healing or working of miracles, to um, coming back and uh, I've got like one story after this, but you can get up there. <laughs> and coming back and um, 
So she received this thing, and then years later, she, she had learned how to receive a promise and act on faith. Because all the things that God has for us, we can receive them, believe it, and receive it, and act on it. So if we want the love of God in our marriage, and we want the love of God in our children, then there's promises in there and things in the scriptures which we need to develop our faith on, and then we need to claim it, receive it, and act on it. I've got this, um, I, I sent you a copy of it, but I've got this thing I put up on my wall which I confess about you all and our church and, and things that we're believing God for, for resources to do outreaches, uh, outreaches like with that bus and resources to get. And I just make a confession because I believe it. I, Father, I believe you that we have laborers, and I name the areas, I, I, I name the childrens, I name the helps, I name the, 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 the musicians. God's got to do a big work there, I tell you. And I name them, and I go through this because I've got promises for it, I stand. Well, she stood on it, and, and she was healed of that asthma again a second time, but this time she received it. And this was decades ago, and she's never had another attack since then. I just finished. I got, can you give me a few more minutes? What would I do if they said no? <laughs> I, uh, in, in Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 18, which I know you've all read because you've been reading chapter a day. You don't have to be out there by now. <laughs> in Acts chapter 18, Apollos goes to Corinth. And Apollos has heard the gospel. Apparently, he was a very good preacher. So he'd heard the gospel. But then the Bible says that he had only heard about the baptism of John, which is a nice way of saying he hadn't heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He just heard of the baptism of John. And I thought, here's our first Baptist, all right, Apollos, right, or that first sort of evangelical Christianity, what I was, you know. And, and then it says that uh, Priscilla and Aquila, sat down and taught him a fuller extent of what God had done. And then his ministry, it says, became very effective after that. I grew up Salvation Army, and then we went on to a Methodist church, and I was born again on the 17th of January, 1974, which, if you all remember, was a it was a Thursday, 8.20 in the afternoon. And uh, But the group that I was born again, they didn't believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right. In fact, that was from the devil. And I wasn't so sure. I wasn't so sure because, you know, when I moved to different places, it just seemed to be that this group had a certain joy about them. And this group over here that I was in, we were like a dried military biscuit. You ever seen those little crunchy biscuits? Like, we've got all the nutrition in the world, but man, we're hard to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> and so... And as I wasn't sure because I was sort of open to it because, well, over here they had joy. And over here, we're, we're not tiny, you know, but we were just like, dry. And so when I went to university, uh, so this was, I think, in 1982. You understand, I went as an eight-year-old to university. When I went to university, I met a, a pastor from Pentecostal Church, and he said, Grant, I can see you've got a faith. And he said, but... I think, I think we need to get you baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like this, you know. You know, the lips. I just can't remember what I'm talking about. 
Because, I, you know, I was do so doctrinal. I was like, you know, so doctrinal. I had my doctrine ducks lined up. I don't know why they had joy, but I didn't. But nevertheless. However, I, I, I must admit, I was at least humble enough to know if I can see it in the Bible, I can believe for it. I can see it's God's will, I can believe for it. So we spent an evening, about three or four hours, it was still about 11, 30 at night, just going through the scriptures till finally I realized that, yes, this what in the Salvation Army we had called the second blessing. Anyone here, Sally? Anyone here, Salvation Army? So I can basically say anything about the new believer. We called it the second blessing. It was for me. So he prayed for me. And that next Sunday I went, I went to church, I'm sitting there with all these Pentecostals. You know, for a Methodist Salvation Army, Pentecostals make you nervous. <laughs> they just make you nervous. They do weird things, they make weird sounds, and they put their hands up. And you know, I was sure, anyway, I felt, I, I heard, I had received it. I actually felt something, not that you need to feel anything, but when he prayed for me, I felt this warm thing go over me. And actually, my friends at uni, they said to me, what's happened to you? <laughs> now, that's not a very good testament for your Christian faith. When they come say, what's happened to you? But that Sunday, and it was in the, I think the CWA hall. Anyone know Armadale at all? Anyway, it's just across the road from the Anglican Cathedral. My dad was so worried about me. He was so worried about me going to Pentecostal church. He went and he sat down, he made an appointment with the dean of the Anglican Cathedral. He said, my son's got a little of this Pentecostal stuff. And what he didn't know is that there was a charismatic revival going through the Anglican Cathedral. People walking into services and just falling down and getting speaking in tongues. So he told my dad, that's fine. That's scriptural. But I'm sitting in this service and I hear, I hear something. God, say, lift up your hands. Now, lifting up the hands won't get you baptized in the Holy Spirit. But when you are so uptight <laughs> and you're just not going to yield, there's no way I was going to lift up my hands. And then I heard, again, I just heard a very strong, lift up your hands. You know, I was like 19 years of age. I was sure everyone was looking at me. I don't know what I was worried about. All their hands were up. I lifted up my hands. And it was like the heavens opened. And I, I didn't know whether to laugh, to cry, to weep, to pray in the spirit. And I did all of those things all at once and was just overwhelmed. If I had not said, I'm prepared to change my, I'm prepared to change my beliefs on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I would still be that dry. I mean, I'm pretty dried up now. Sometimes I'm really, I imagine what I would have been like. I'd still be that dried up evangelical biscuit. But faith, faith, faith in God's word, hearing God's word, accepting it as being true, being prepared to act on it, will change the direction of our lives. And that's exciting news. Isn't that good news? That God will speak to us, we can meditate on it, believe it, and God then will pour his grace upon us in all different areas in our life, finances, our health, relationship. We are saved by grace through faith.